0: So at this time now, uh, we will turn in our Bibles. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to read from verses 11 to 32. I will read. And if you would please follow with me. Hear the word of the Lord. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh an to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, My brothers come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received them safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. And therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, well, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed thou at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come which had devoured thy living with harlots. Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, (coughs) thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make Mary and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. So ends the reading of God's word, shall we pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful for this wonderful, in fact, this triad of parables, or one parable with three parts, however we want to cut it up. Lord, it is all one. Just as your plan of redemption and your work of salvation is one tapestry. Oh Lord, we are thankful for this story because it gives us hope. It gives us hope because ultimately we are this prodigal. We are the chief of sinners. And O oh, Lord. We are thankful that we do not pass by the chief of sinners, the prodigal. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> God saves prodigals. Verse 11 He said, and he said, a certain man had two sons. You've heard the tale of two cities. Well, this is the tale of two sons. But the fact is, it is not really a tale, but a true story of all of us. Because you see, we are all like both sons. Now, this, is, this may sound confusing, but just bear with me. We are all like both sons. We have a little of both in all of us, in you and in. The younger son in the beginning... And the elder son, toward the end, showed their true colors. How, in fact, each son was a proud, self-centered, egotistical, arrogant, and selfish to the core individual. Now, the parable really is focusing on the younger son. The one we call the prodigal. And I'll explain what. That means when we get to the verse that is, is founded. But in verse 12, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. I want it in advance. And so the father did that, right? The younger of the two wanted an advance on his inheritance. He didn't want an advance. He wanted the whole thing that was coming to him. And he couldn't wait for his father to die to get it either. That would be too late. In those days it was two thirds for the eldest, there were two sons in this case, as in this case, and a third for the second son. So he would get a third of all that the father had, which, you know, substantial, right? Even by our uh reckoning. Watch out when your son or daughter asks you for a lot of money. It usually means trouble. Of course, as a concerned parent, we expect the father to ask the son of his son, "What are you planning to do with all that money invested in your future?" Of course, the son is going to tell his father anything except maybe a lie, which is what he—well, we don't know. But ultimately, his plans were unveiled, and his plans were to go out on the town another town, actually went to another country, and splurged on wine wine and women and song, as, as the same goes. Which is what he did according to verse 13. It says in verse 13, And not many days after the son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and that's what they do too, they try to get as far away as they can. That's another thing that when you're young, you tend to do, but that's of other reasons. Well, and there wasted his substance with riotously. And by the way, Jesus Christ generally does not get involved in matters of this nature. He counsels, he's our wonderful counselor. But if you look at Luke 12, 13 and 14, so a few pages back, Luke 12, 13 and 14. It reads, and one of the company said unto him, "Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me." And he said unto him, "Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you?" See, our Lord, He does not want to get involved in this kind of matters, you know, especially of a personal nature. But He gives a reason, and the reason is verse fifteen of covetousness for man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Possess, possess this is a fairly accurate description of how we all are spiritually, i.e. the audio son. For our creator has given us life and breath in all things, says the scripture. Same passage. Passage goes on to say, "And hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation." Why? That we should seek the Lord. That we should seek the Lord. That's the purpose. Why we are made and put on this earth. But is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And of course, beginning with our first parents, we failed God miserably in this venture with God. What do we do with these blessings? Well, let me go on to finish verse 27, which is that we should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after Him and find Him though He be not far from every one of us. He's not far away. His mercies are over the whole earth, it says. His grace has come into the world in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is not far away. He has condescended to men of low estate, and we are as low as you can go. But what do we do with these blessings? Anything but bless God. And here's an example before our very eyes. Well, what happened after he got his loot? It may as well have been that he robbed his father, he robbed the dignity of his home. Well, he ran away from home. It says in verse thirteen that I've already read. He left home like those malcontent and thankless children of parents who can't get far away from their good parents who. Have done everything for them, perhaps sometimes too much. You know what I mean? Riotous is is the word. Riotous living in the in the in the uh, King James, wasteful, dissolute, prodigious, meaning wasteful. You can only go. So long with this kind of lifestyle before you run out. No money in and only money out. get the picture? And also, it's wanton living, as it says in verse 30 which hath devoured thy living with harlots. And that is a very, very strong pull, especially this flesh, in this flesh especially men. It sounds like the story of Joseph uh, that is the scenario in general. Uh, The famine over the whole earth is is what happened in the time of Joseph in Genesis uh, 41. And the famine was over the face of the whole earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. It says... However, in that instance, Joseph was a different son than the prodigal who loved his father, Jacob, who was separated from his father, who did not run from his father, and who loved his brothers. As the Lord said, love your enemies as yourself. Or, love your enemies as I have loved them. I allowing my son to shine upon the evil and the good, and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. So love them. He did, and was a wise son, and was used to spare not only Egypt and his family from famine, their land. Now the profligate son tried to lift himself up by his own bootstraps. For the first time in his life, he tried working for a living. This is my conjecture, verse fifteen, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent them into his fields to feed swine. Now, I might add that yesterday I, I met a swine in the backyard of a family that we were doing visitation with. <laughs> I was really taken aback. That was a beautiful swine. And it was probably a right before we arrived. You know, like Everything was set for us for his <laughs> Mine and rods. <laughs> the Lord The Lord does that to enhance, uh, at least, my spirits, (laughs) if not the message. So, he wasn't doing a good job, This, this prodigal. He was not doing a good job. His first job, I might add, perhaps some of the blame could be laid at the doorstep of dad for spoiling his sons, perhaps, when they were growing up, not giving them chores to do on the estate, you know. Letting them earn their living. Like my dad, he didn't, let him, he didn't give me my first car. He made me pay for it. My mother was so mad at him. But do you know what? I learned a lesson from that. I ain't going to give my any cars to my son. Now uh, She might try something, but I assure you, it won't be with my, uh, you know, stamp. <coughs> anyway. Um, I, we have a taste of that in the Philippines because we have maids there and Servants, drivers, men are generally drivers, you know. Traffic is terrible in the Philippines. So anyway, we have a little taste of that. But that, that is, you know, what families do and how they raise their kids, that's another story for another time, okay. It says in verse 16, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Now the husks are actually what are called pods. They're pods from a carrot tree, which grows there in, in the Promised Land, and they feed the swine, but they're, they're not that tasty and probably not digestible for human beings. And so he, was, he wasn't doing a good job bringing in the bacon. <laughs> <laughs> he probably didn't have any bacon. <laughs> so he resorted to what? Begging, that's what, that's what it says. It says the no man gave unto him. He was panhandling at this point. He was at his wits' end. And then what happened? He came to his realization. He came to his nirvana. I've had lately some that I've met on the street who, who tell me about this nirvana experience. And this is probably something kind of like that, experientially speaking, but... do this continuously without running to a wall. And one is left with only two things when you hit the wall. Either to do nothing, and <clears throat> to die, perish from hunger, or find... Oh. In verse 17... He came to himself. He said, how many higher servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? There's food back at home. And I perish of hunger. Thankfully, reality, along with a little bit of humility, and you need both, settled into his mind and his heart. Father's workers eat milk, but look at me, and I'm his son. I'm starving to death. This is not a doable situation. But he realized something far more important than even his stomach. He realized what a thoughtless, ingrate of a son he was to his parents, to his father, all of his life. When God brings you to the end of yourself for the first time, You see your sin as God sees your sin. And what is first and foremost is what you've done against God, who gave you everything, including those loving and caring parents and that loving and safe environment in which you were raised. So he said, I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I will tell my father this I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me to be as one of your hired slaves. He returns home. And he's received back. No questions asked. Now maybe the dad had questions when he left, but he didn't have any questions when he came back. Did it? For it says, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, before he could even be within talking proximity of his father, his father meets him. Before he could finish rehearsing for the last time, when he's going to tell his father in the spiel, and he's going to bring that along the way, Father, i have sinned against you. And against he heaven before God. And I'm not more worthy to be your son. Just make me of your higher servants. It reminds me, by the way, of a brother who and he practices his message, and he, he is excellent. He practices his message for the open air, wherever it may be, the venue. And he would have his window rolled down. And uh, I've been with him when he's done this. And he would actually be preaching out loud while he's driving. And then sometimes at the stop side there'd be another car there with the window rolled down and they're looking over there like, huh? <laughs> That's what came me my mind. But you know what? His father had been hoping, and waiting, and praying all this time, however long it was, we don't know. For this very Unspeakable and full of glory was to see him and you could see it on his face and you could see it as he's running to his son and embracing him and lavishing him with kisses. I tell you, it is just overwhelming. If I wasn't behind his pulpit, I'd cry right now. <laughs> and the son did not get to finish his rehearsing the spiel for the last time. You can picture that, right? When his father interrupts him in this way of lavishing with his compassionate kisses and hugging him and embracing him. And then finally when that was exhausted, we see the son finally getting to make his confession of faith and repentance. And it says in verse 21, And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. This is only right. Right. He was right in saying this. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He not only saw the futility of his life, but the gravity of his sin against his Father, against God. All the sinners need to get our lives right with God. That's really what this is about. It's our relationship. God, and as much as possible with those that we have hurt in this life. In 1 John 4, 20, it says, if a man say, I love God, and hate his brother or his father or any, anyone else, his sister, he is a liar, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen father he's not it's almost like he's not listening but he is listening it's like our heavenly father seems like he's not listening but oh he is I me assure you of that but his father celebrates his son's homecoming and he says to the servants bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and So there's no lecture, there's no outpouring of resentment and anger and disappointment. Instead, he pours out his love upon his son. And he does it in tangible and ostentatious ways. Ostentatious just means it's very showy. Best robe to show honor restored. The best ring to picture his authority once again in a home. Sandals to indicate he was no longer a slave. But it was fully restored to his side, his right hand. Father says, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. The fatted calf, like in the Philippines, is a roasted pig. Okay, same, same idea. Was to be for the most special occasions. And what could be more special than this? But he himself said, For well, this, my son was lost and is now found. For this, my son, it is dead and is now alive. And this is to express his great joy that his son, and he thought he had lost forever, is still alive and right here, is his son. In another place, Jesus said that the prodigal son was the son who said to his father, I will not do what you say, but then later on, relents and goes ahead and does his Father's will. That returning son pictures the harlots and the tax collectors that went into the kingdom of God ahead of the self-righteous religious leaders of Christ's day. What about the father's elder son who never left his side? Well, this is what that speaks to. And I won't read that part again not all go through this kind of conversion experience that we see before us. Like our covenant children who are raised on the promises of God and His Word, who in many or most cases are spared this kind of traumatic experience of coming to Christ. Nevertheless, the Bible teaches that The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and that includes in our children. And so we are not to presume upon the grace of God by thinking that just because they're born into a Christian home, or even that they grew up under the word and prayer, that they are the Lord's, that they have made that personal commitment to Jesus Christ. That is not to be assumed. Because our children's hearts are the same way as ours. And that's why I believe that while not that God's people did not all go through this prodigal experience, but they go through something similar spiritually. Because like the elder son, you never leave the church must go through the spiritual journey that is required to be saved and as I said already the elder son represents the height of hypocrisy of the religious system of Christ's name of the very ones that should have received him as Lord and Savior the religious leaders are like those that are in the temple the one which Christ calls his father's house yet they show that they don't know the Father because they don't know the Son. They don't share the Father's joy in redeeming broken sinners. There are those of whom Christ would say, these people draw nigh unto me with their mouths and honor me with their lips and their heart as far from me. They have no true sense of sin their own, and thus nothing to repent of. On the same token, they don't see the value in the repentance of those who do come to Christ. Ultimately, they have a form of godliness, that deny the power thereof. If they are never broken, and by the way, God can break you too. But if they're never broken. Like in the case of the younger brother, and they remain in their hardened state, and they will come to God the Father through Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It will reveal that they were never one of his. And then will I profess unto them, I never need you. Depart from me the workers of iniquity." Finally, conclusion the truth, the truth is all of us have a lot in common with both sons, the elder son and the prodigal. Yet Paul says, For who hath made thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if you received it, why do you glory as if you did not receive it? It is only Jesus Christ that makes us become, to transform people of God that we are. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away, until all things have become new. And in the end, when all is said and done, none of us will have anything to glory in or to boast of. As it is a gift so let us give glory glory is deserved let us pray oh heavenly father we are thankful for your having worked in many of our lives in this very way while the circumstances surrounding our conversion experience are not the same and have differences because of your providence in our lives yet we can all identify with this story because the storyline is very comparable it is God saving undeserving sinners God the holy eternal unchangeable God showing us his unchangeable and eternal love and giving his son, as an atonement for our sins. And for this, we will ever be grateful to you. And we thank you, Lord, now for this opportunity to worship you and to praise your great and grace name.